Good morning. Today we follow the order of service on page 15 in the front of your hymnal, the order of Holy Communion. Our opening hymn this morning is Awake My Soul and With the Sun, hymn 536.
I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities, with which I have ever offended thee, and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me a poor, simple being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Our psalm for today is on the inside cover of your bulletin. We will read Psalm 119, uh, which is the Hebrew section Heth, uh, verses 57 through 64, and we'll read it responsibly with the congregation reading those portions in bold type. You are my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. I seek your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. I consider my ways. And I turn my feet to your testimonies. I made haste. And I did not delay to keep your commandments. The bands of the wicked have trapped me. But I have not forgotten your law. At midnight I will rise to give thanks to you. Because of your righteous judgments. I am a companion of all who fear you. The earth, O Lord, is full of your mercy. Teach me your statutes.
be with you. Let us pray. O God, forasmuch as without thee we are not able to please thee, mercifully grant that thy Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. You may be seated. Continuing with our lessons from the Catechism, we look again at the questions, questions related to the Office of the Keys. Uh, question 317, which is on the inside cover of your bulletin. But how is it with confession before the confessor? No one should be forced or compelled to private confession but in it, a Christian obtains the comfort that to him especially absolution is pronounced, and on such occasion he may ask remission of such particular sins as may above others weigh upon his heart and burden his conscience. And so we do not compel or require anyone to go to private confession, but it is available so that those who are troubled over some sin may come and hear the absolution and be assured that in the Lord Jesus Christ, for the sake of his holy life and his innocent sufferings and death on the cross, they have forgiveness for their sin. We see this in Jesus' words in Matthew 9, verse 2, where Jesus told the man who was paralyzed, who was let down uh, before him in the home, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And so we are assured in absolution that for Jesus' sake, our sins are forgiven. We have the example in 2 Samuel 12, verse 13, where David confesses his sins and is assured of forgiveness by Nathan the prophet. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, now the Lord has put away your sin, you shall not die. In Matthew chapter three, verses five and six, we read concerning the ministry of John the Baptist, that Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. And so as they acknowledged their sins, they were baptized and assured that for the sake of the coming one, the Messiah who was to come, that they had forgiveness for their sins. Question 318 asks, what instruction does Dr. Luther give us for examining ourselves before confession? Here consider your station according to the Ten Commandments, whether you are a father, mother, son, daughter, master, mistress, servant, whether you have been disobedient, unfaithful, slothful, whether you have grieved any person by word or deed, whether you have stolen, neglected, or wasted aught, or done other injury. 
And so we are guided by God's commandments as we acknowledge and confess our sins and seek God's mercy and forgiveness. Our epistle lesson for today is recorded in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 40. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a time. He esteemed the reproach of Christ as greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He endured by looking to him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest the one who destroys the firstborn touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, which the Egyptians attempted to do, but were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, when she received the spies with peace, did not perish with those who did not believe. And what more shall I say, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms administered justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in fighting, and turned the armies of foreign enemies to flight. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured and did not accept deliverance so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mocking and scourging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins while destitute, afflicted, and tormented. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. These all have obtained a good report through faith but they did not receive the promise. For God provided, some, provided something better for us so that with us they would be made perfect. Here ends our reading of the epistle. The gospel appointed for today is recorded in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36, or 34 through 46. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. One of them, who was a lawyer, tested him by asking him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. 
While the Pharisees were assembled, Jesus asked them, What do you think of Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. If then David, or if David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? No one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. Here ends our reading of the Holy Gospel. We join in confessing our faith, and we do so today in the words of the Nicene Creed, which are found on page 22 in the front of your hymnal. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended to heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeded from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. You may be seated. We continue our worship by singing our second hymn, hymn number 427, How Firm a Foundation, Ye Saints of the Lord.
I ask you to bow your heads and join me in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we again ask your Holy Spirit's blessing upon both the speaking and the hearing of your word this day, that we might be strengthened in our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, and that through faith we might also live for our Savior until that day when he comes again in glory to receive us to himself. Amen. The word of God, which we consider today, is the epistle lesson read to you a few minutes ago, which begins by saying, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. You and I know from the scriptures that we are not justified or counted righteous and acceptable in God's eyes by our own works, but rather through faith in Jesus Christ. It is because Jesus Christ kept all of God's commandments for us and then suffered and died on the cross and suffered our punishment that you and I can look to him and his cross in faith and that God counts us as forgiven and righteous. In Romans chapter 3, Paul sums up what he had said in that chapter about the fact that we are not justified by works, and in fact, indeed, the law of God condemns us all. It points out our sins and our failures, but that there is another kind of righteousness, that which is credited to us through faith in Jesus Christ. And verse 28 sums this up, saying, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the works of the law. At the same time, there is in the book of James a section which to many would seem to contradict what St. Paul wrote in the book of Romans. In James chapter 2, beginning at verse 14, he says, What does it profit, my brothers, if a man says he has faith but has no works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and lacking daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, and yet you give them nothing that the body needs, what does it profit? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But a man may say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. The demons also believe and tremble. But do you want to be shown, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? And he goes on to point out how Abraham, as a result of his faith, did works which were pleasing and acceptable to God by God's grace and mercy. And so we see in the scriptures that we are justified, we're counted righteous, we receive forgiveness of our sins through faith alone in Jesus Christ. It is only because Christ paid the price and it is only through faith that we are forgiven and acceptable to God. But we also see that 
where God produces such faith in our hearts through the hearing of the gospel, that faith also works. And indeed, it is true that faith without works is dead. There was, following the Lutheran Reformation, somewhat of a controversy in the church when some began to preach and point out that it's not enough to just know the doctrine. It's not enough to just hold to the truth that Luther and the reformers brought back from the scriptures. But if you truly believe, it's going to produce fruits in your life. And indeed, even though, you know, many on the pietistic side like to condemn the orthodox, and the Orthodox like to condemn the pietistic, really there needs to be a balance of the two. Because if one holds to the true doctrine that we are saved through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it's going to affect how he lives his life. And this is what we see in our epistle lesson today. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. We remember that Pharaoh had commanded that any male child was to be thrown into the Nile River and drowned in order to limit the number of Hebrews who were in his land because they feared that the Hebrews were getting too strong and might fight against them. But in spite of Pharaoh's command, Moses' parents hid him. And then when he was too old to hide, they put him in a basket on the Nile River. And by God's protection, uh, he was spared and taken as Pharaoh's daughter. Indeed, they applied a passage which Peter spoke centuries later you know, we must obey, obey God rather than men. Even though Pharaoh commanded this, God forbade them to kill their children. And so they obeyed God rather than men. And this is a result of faith, that God would protect them, that God would provide for them. And even if they died, it's better to obey God and to receive his blessings in eternal life than to reject God and his word and to stand condemned forever. We read by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a time. He esteemed the reproach of Christ as greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. You know, really, Moses kind of had it made. As the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, you know, he wouldn't have had to do a lot in life and he would have been able to enjoy any of the pleasures that he wanted to. And yet he chose to suffer with his own people rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin in the land of Egypt. He chose to be affiliated with God's people that he might partake of the promises God had made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as we read on, we see that 
By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of a king. He endured by looking to him who is invisible. And so he looked to God, whom he could not see, and trusted that God would provide for him and protect for him, protect him, and indeed he did. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest the one who destroys the firstborn touch them. As you think about this and all the plagues that took place in Egypt under God's directive to, to Moses, how would killing a lamb and putting its blood on the doorpost and the lintel of the doorways of their homes protect them from the angel of death which was coming upon the land of Egypt? And yet Moses believed the word of God and he commanded the children of Israel to kill the lamb and to sprinkle the blood or smear the blood on the doorposts and lintels that the angel of death might pass over them. He said, it says, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, which the Egyptians attempted to do, but were drowned. And if you think about that, you know, here the children of Israel had been released to leave the land of Egypt, and now Pharaoh's army is pursuing, and they're up against the Red Sea, nowhere to go, nowhere to flee. They expected to be slaughtered. And Moses is told to lift his rod out over the Red Sea, and God parts the Red Sea so that the water stands up as walls of water on both sides. And God says, okay, now go through. Walk through the Red Sea. Don't you think that took some faith on the part of Moses? Both to do this and expect that God would save them in this way, as well as then to walk through between these two walls of water. And what does it say? When, the Pharaoh, when Pharaoh's army tried to do it, they were all drowned because God brought the waters back over them and they were killed. I ask you today to think about your own faith. How strong is your faith? Would you be willing to risk death at the hands of the government in order to do what God commands as Moses' parents did? Would you be willing to give up all the riches that you could possibly have and all the pleasures in life that you could possibly have and be associated with a nation of slaves in order that you might obtain the promises made to those slaves? Would you be willing to walk between the walls of water, trusting that God was going to protect you and deliver you through the Red Sea and that he would free you from pursuing Egyptian army. As we read on, it says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. I have never yet seen a military plan which involved marching around a city, a walled city, and doing it quietly for seven days, and on the seventh day going around seven times and then blowing their horns, the ram's horns, and shouting, and the walls fall down flat. 
Do you think Moses or any of the children of Israel might have wondered about God's wisdom? Is this how we take a city? You know, shouldn't we be setting up different ways to ram and break down the wall or the gate so that we can enter the city? But by faith, Moses and the children of Israel walked around the city once a day for six days and seven times on the seventh day, and the walls fell down. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, when she had received the spies with peace, did not perish with those who did not believe. And so you hear you have Rahab when the spies came. She hides them. She protects them and tells them to flee to the mountains and wait until the pursuers are come back and then go back and return because she believed in the God of Israel. She had come to hear enough to know that he was the true God and to trust in him. And so by faith, she and her family were saved. And not only were they spared in the destruction of Jericho, when you read the history, you find that Rahab was the mother of Boaz, who was the mother of, maybe I have that wrong. Anyway, Rahab was a grandmother or great-grandmother to King David. That, of course, included Ruth, the Moabite woman, who became the wife of Boaz as well. So we have here a woman of Jericho who was destined to be destroyed through faith, she spared. And we have Ruth, who is a Moabitess, who comes to Israel and accepts the God of Israel and is brought into the Messianic line as well. And he says, what more shall I say, for time would fail to tell me of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in fighting, and turned the armies of foreign enemies to flight. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured and did not accept deliverance so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins while destitute, afflicted and tormented. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains in dens and caves of the earth. These all have obtained a good report through faith, but they did not receive the promise. And so in faith, they suffered all these things. Now he summarizes all of this in this paragraph and gives you all these examples. And just for your sake, I will fill in the gaps, but not all of them, because we would be here a long time. I just would like to speak about A few of these, if you think of Gideon, Gideon who had armies to 
fight off their enemies who were, you know, it describes that they were camped and led, they're like grasshoppers. There were so many of them. And he had his army and God said, no, it's too many. And so all who are afraid were sent home. God said, still too many. And so he has them take a drink, go down to a stream and drink, and he watches how they drink. And uh, those who uh, put down their weapons were one group, and those who held their weapons but lapped with one hand and their, you know, to their mouth were the other group. And so he's left with 300 against this huge army. And God says, if you're afraid, go down into the camp and listen to him. So he walks into the camp, and they hear them talking about you know, how God is going to destroy them and through the hand of Gideon. And so he goes back and with his 300 men divides them and they, this is the time when they had the torches inside the pitcher and a trumpet, uh, a ram's horn, and of course, probably their sword on their side. And when Gideon gives the signal, they break the pitchers and blow the ram's horn and their enemies see that they're surrounded and they begin to fight against each other and kill each other and go away in confusion. And so God, through Gideon, destroyed a huge enemy army. Again, the glory goes to God. But Gideon certainly acted in faith because who would go against an entire army like this with 300 men? We think of David, David in 1 Samuel 17, when he was yet a youth, a shepherd boy, and there is the Philistine army taunting the Israelites with a certain, certain uh, giant among them who is somewhere around 10 feet tall and you know, his, the shaft of his spear is described like a weaver's beam, and he comes out for 40 days. He comes out, you send, you send somebody to fight with me. If he can beat me, we'll be your servants. If I beat him, you'll be our servants. And everybody runs away until David comes. And Saul tries to give him his armor when Saul finally agrees to send him, and David says, I can't wear these. I can't try them. And David goes with his shepherd's tools, his sling, and he has a bag, and he picks up five smooth stones, and he goes in the name of the Lord in faith. You know, who would do this? Who in their right mind would do this? You know, if we put this in modern terms, it's like, you know, going against somebody with an AR-15 with a pocket 380. You know, what are your chances? Not too good. Well, David goes against Goliath in faith, and God grants Israel deliverance and gives David the victory. We might think also of three Israelite men who were renamed by the king of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar builds this golden image and is convinced that you know, everybody should worship and honor him. And he commands that whenever the sound of music plays, everybody is to bow down to this golden image. And they would not. And when confronted about this, you know, they said, oh, king, 
we're not going to bow down to your image because God will protect us in this fiery furnace. Uh, he had said anybody who did not bow down would be thrown into this fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down. They were willing to die and look forward to the resurrection for being faithful to the true God rather than bow down to an image and compromise their faith. And of course, we know we know how that story ended, that they're cast into the fiery furnace. It's heated up so hot that even the men who threw them in died from the heat. And then the king sees four men walking around, and one is like the Son of God. And so through faith, they acted and refused to compromise their faith. One more example, and that's Daniel. This is when the Medes and the Persians had conquered Babylon. And Daniel was highly regarded by the king of Persia, and it made some of the others kind of jealous. And so they tried to find some way to bring him down, to get rid of Daniel, because they didn't like uh, having Daniel rule uh, under the king of Persia. And so they found out, they said, the only, only way we can fault him is if we somehow deal with it in relationship to his views toward God, his worship of God. And so they convinced the king to sign a decree that anybody who prayed to any other God or person beside the king for so many days would be cast into a den of lions. Daniel hears a decree, and he does as he had always done. Each day, three times a day, he goed and he went into his room and opened the windows and prayed toward Jerusalem, praying to the God of Israel. And of course, we know how that ended up. That you know, he's accused uh, by those who hated him, and. Uh, the Medes and the Persians were so wise that when a king made a law, it could not be changed. Uh, they were unchangeable laws, and so the king had no choice. Even though he didn't want to, he had to cast Daniel into the den of lions, and God shut the lions' mouths. The next day, when Daniel was okay, God protected him with his angel. Those who accused him were cast into the den of lions, and we read that they didn't even make it to the bottom of the den before they were torn to pieces by the lions. And so Daniel, in faith, acted. And so I ask you, well, what about you? What kind of faith do you have? Is it just a faith that acknowledges certain facts, like, you know, that God is the true God, or that God is the triune God? Or is it a faith which trusts in Jesus Christ and believes that in Jesus Christ you have forgiveness and everlasting life? Is it a faith that moves you to live for Jesus Christ? Now I might ask, you know, well, what if persecution came? What if you were told you could no longer worship or you could no longer have your Bible, you could no longer study the scriptures, what would you do? And I think all of us would say, well, we would continue to do that. But if I ask you, well, what about some of the things that are going on even now. What about speaking to other people about Jesus Christ when it's highly discouraged? 
and maybe even more so where the rubber meets the road for us. We come here and we confess that we believe that in Jesus we have forgiveness of sins. We can't see forgiveness. Do you believe that God the Father really has forgiven you all your sins because of Jesus' atoning sacrifice on the cross? Do you leave here in joy that my sins are forgiven? God accepts me as his own dear child. And what about when we face death? We're all getting older and closer to that day. Maybe not these two young ones up here, the one in the back there, but uh, we're all getting closer to that day. Can we die in the confidence that as Jesus said, he will raise us up again on the last day and give to all of us who believe everlasting life. Faith is not just a profession of the truth, but it is a reliance upon the truth. It is believing that Jesus did indeed pay for your sins, and that because Jesus did so, when you look to him and his cross in faith, your sins are forgiven. God does accept you as his own dear child. He doesn't hold your sins against you. And when you die, it is not just knowing that there's a resurrection, but it is the confidence that because Jesus paid for your sins, that in Jesus, God will raise you up and he will not condemn you on the last day, though all of us, certainly me, deserve to be condemned. It is the confidence that because Jesus paid for our sins, God receives us in loving arms and will give us the eternal joys of his kingdom. God grant that we have true biblical faith, not just a knowledge of the facts, a knowledge of the doctrine, but a reliance upon the promises of God's word. God grant that to us for Jesus' sake. Amen. I ask you to please stand. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. continue our worship by bringing forward our offerings.
stand and join in the prayers of the church and they are printed out in your bulletin. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and your grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that in good and honest hearts we may keep it and bring forth fruit by patient continuance in well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church universal with all its pastors and ministers that it may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word whereby faith towards you may be strengthened and charity increased in us toward all mankind. To this end, we pray your blessing on Bishop Heiser, on our pastors, and on all the pastors of our diocese. Bless St. Ignatius Lutheran Seminary, its instructors and students, that men might be trained for the work of the ministry, and when called, faithfully preach and teach your life-giving word. Grant also health and prosperity to all that are in authority, especially to the President and Congress of the United States, the governor and legislature of this state, to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries that they may cease their enmity and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name and for your truth's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. We pray for the people of Ukraine and the people of Russia, for all suffering from the horrors of war and the oppression of ungodly rulers. We ask you to protect and keep all those who trust in you, to mercifully grant repentance and life to those who do not know you and believe your word, and to judge those who refuse to repent but persist in unbelief and wickedness. We ask that you establish peace in the world and prevent an escalation of war and bloodshed. And although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul 
Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of those who believe. Cause also the needful fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land and sea, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. These and whatever other things you would have us ask of you, O God, grant them to us for the sake of the bitter sufferings and death of Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son and our Lord and Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. You may be seated. We continue our worship by singing our third hymn, which is hymn 305. Soul, adorn thyself with gladness. And we sing the first three verses and the ninth.
I ask you to please stand. The Lord be with you. Lift up your heart. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty, everlasting God. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name, evermore praising thee and saying, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Christ, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you for the remission of sins. This do as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
invite our members to come forward. body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given unto death for all your sins. The Lord bless you and you and keep you in his baptismal grace. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given unto death for all your sins. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, given unto death for all your sins. Take and drink. Savior Jesus Christ shed for the remission of all your sins. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ shed for the remission of all your sins. I ask you to please stand. Now may this holy body and precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you in the true faith unto life everlasting. Heart and peace, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you for Jesus' sake.
refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we beseech thee of thy mercy that thou wouldst strengthen us for the same in faith toward thee and in fervent love toward one another through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee of the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. You may be seated. We close by singing Hymn number 247, God the Father, be our stay. Maybe you should stand. I'll, otherwise, I'll have you standing right away. <clears throat>
You may be seated. I realized that I left off the last verse of our text for a sermon, so I need to, I need to cover that. <laughs> the, the last verse simply points out that they all died in faith, having not received the promises in order that we might receive them all together at the last day. And I just want, wanted to remind you of the fact that you know, all these people look forward to the coming, the return of Christ and his eternal kingdom, but they died in faith, not having received the promises, as we also may. But when the last believers are brought into God's kingdom and Christ returns, we will all see the fulfillment of those promises and receive the blessings together. Again, a welcome to all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the announcements, uh, midweek online Bible study is Wednesday at 7 uh, via Jitsi Meet. Uh, we are in uh, partway through, most of the way through, Matthew chapter 24, if I recall right. Then our November congregational meeting and potluck will be on Sunday, November 6th. And I wanted to... Uh, draw your attention to the last one there, uh, Oktoberfest in Nail. I didn't know there was a place called Nail, Arkansas, but apparently there's a place called Nail, Arkansas. And uh, on November 5th, uh, Pastor Eric Stefanski's congregations are meeting there for, I believe they, if you want to come and do a hike to some waterfalls, that's at 10 o'clock. Uh, then at 11 o'clock, they have other things going on, and uh, there'll be a, a devotion and things there, but it would be an opportunity to get together with other believers if you wish to go. And if you would like to go, uh, there's more information on the bulletin board in the back, and you can also, if you let me know, I will let Pastor Stavonsky know so they can make sure people know of, of how many are coming. And Janet. I do not know exactly. I, I know it's down toward Conway somewhere, I think. Any, has anyone been there? Um, it is It is a considerable distance. It is a, a drive. It might be a pretty drive this time of year, uh, depending where the trees are at. <laughs> 